Hey, welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. I am so glad you decided to join us. Hey, this past Sunday, we talked about our identity, what our true identity is. And it's a part of the Kingdom Culture series that we've been on. And man, it was powerful. And so I just encourage you to listen with an open heart, allow God to speak to you and to minister to you as we get into it. Are you ready? Let's go. This is just the best church ever. That's just what it is. And it's the best people. I love the people in this church. And if you're new here, I think you'll, before you leave, you'll feel like you've been very loved on. Can I get an amen? Uh, Because we have a loving, we have a loving church. Well, I want to read to you in the time left. Would you turn over to Galatians chapter 4? Galatians chapter 4. I feel like there's a crisis in the body of Christ that I see. And it's people who don't understand or realize who they really are. It's an identity crisis, you know? And, and that's what the devil does. I mean, he's, a, he's an identity. He tries to steal identities. He goes after your social security card, your birth certificate, you know? And he wants you to live the life that he designed for you. And that's not God's plan for your life. I, I've heard people say, Phil, I, I, I just, I had a friend of mine say, Phil, I just don't know who I am anymore. I said, dude, you're David. He said, well, you know, I just, I need to find myself. And I thought, well, wait a minute, man. You've been born again. I was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. Come on. This is amazing grace. You have been found. You don't need to find yourself. What you need to find is the truth of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, of who you really are, of your true DNA and what really belongs to you. Man, I, I, I heard about this guy named Ira. Gates. And uh, back in the Depression, he and his wife and his family, they lived in West Texas. If you've been, been, ever been over to Midland, Odessa area, I mean, it's just, there's nothing out there except rattlesnakes, I think, and, and some oil people. And, uh, but Ira and his family in, in the Depression, this is during the Depression, they owned a lot of land. They had this massive farm. But the problem was they had a massive mortgage that went with it. And so he, he was a farmer, and so he did what he knew to do. And they farmed the land and farmed the land and farmed the land. And they had sheep and, and other animals. And he just couldn't make enough money to pay that note. And so they were behind so far that he just looked at them and he went, the inevitable is fixing to happen. We're fixing to lose our farm. And so as he was, you know, herding his sheep one day he's looking over those that flat land that pasture the huge pasture that he had and and he was looking off in the distance and he was just really beginning to get discouraged and really think about what was going on and how they were the family was going to lose the farm in fact they were living off of government subsidies because they didn't have anything that was where they were getting their food and clothing from and you know and so anyway so one day not long after 
this, he, there was a crew that came through and they asked him, they said, listen, we're, we're, we're with such and such company and, and we've just, we have a pretty good, we have a strong, uh, strong evidence that there may be oil on this land. Could we, you know, would you be willing to contract a lease to us that we could drill on your land and see if there's oil? And so he worked a deal with them and they drilled. And just over a thousand feet deep, they hit an oil reserve. And it started gushing. And it started producing 80,000 barrels a day out of this one, one drill. Well, then they started drilling many others. And they didn't drill any that produced any less than the 80,000 barrels of oil a day. In fact, one of them produced 125,000 barrels a day. That's a lot of oil. Man. And you know what happened? Ira became a millionaire. But here's the interesting thing. When he bought the land way back years before, he bought the land, he bought the mineral rights to the land. He had no idea oil was on his land. He was a millionaire way back here. But he didn't find it out until they drilled. And too many Christians, we, we get born again, we ask Jesus to come in our heart, but we make him an addition to our life instead of the center of our life. And because we don't study the word, because we don't get in the word the way that we should or need to, we don't discover the promises and the oil that is available to us. I mean, the millionaires that we have become because we have been adopted. Come on, Annie. <laughs> you remember Daddy Warbucks coming in the orphanage saying, yeah, I'll take the problem, child. I'll take the one that has all of the issues. I'll have the one that, I, I want the one that breaks out of the orphanage every day. I want the one that hides in every laundry basket that you have. Yeah, that's the one I want. And, and the sad part is, is that we've been adopted, but we're still singing the song, the sun will come out tomorrow when there's blue skies today. It's blue skies. Why? Because everything, when, when we were born again, we were adopted into the family. Oh, Jesus, we're, we're a part of the family. And see, everything that is God's is now yours. Everything. Not just part of it, not just some of it, not just a few things. Not just eternal life, which is really what salvation has been reduced to. Well, I'll enjoy the good life one of these days when I step through them pearly gates. It'll be glorious on the other side. When God wants to manifest his glory here on earth. Man, one of the things I enjoyed doing as a, as a young guy. <laughs> so I'm 54 on Tuesday. And uh, so, so uh, <laughs> Hannah was talking to she was talking to her dad and uh, Brian and I are good friends and 
And uh, she told Brian, I'm 44. Well, Brian didn't even blink. He goes, yeah, he's a young buck. So he believed it. So that's good. I look like I'm 44. <laughs> I felt good about that. But anyway, but then she texted back and said, I'm sorry, Dad, he's 54. <laughs> so I'm actually older than Brian. But anyway, who knew? But, um, but being the young guy that I am, one thing that I really like to do is, is I, I've, had, I've owned a lot of vehicles, Nicole can tell you. I just like to buy a vehicle, a used one, and I like to fix everything on it. Because it, it bothers me when things don't work. You know what I mean? When things are broken and they don't look good, they don't run good, they don't work right. And so I bought this old Tahoe, and the first thing I did was I replaced all the light fixtures on it. Man, nothing makes a car look newer than putting new light fixtures on it. But I, I, just, in, I just enjoy that. I enjoy making things new. Well, God enjoys that too. But here's the cool thing about God is that he redesigned it. He redesigns it. I, I love going to the car shows and seeing the old vehicles that have been, that have been built from the ground up Many people may not know it, but the guy, Tim Allen, that used to play Tim the Toolman Taylor on Home Improvement. And, you know, on the show, they always had him building a hot rod, right? Well, that's actually true. That's him. He loves old cars. And so he built this 60, I think it's a 67 Camaro from the ground up. And he put, but he, but he put updated suspension on it. And he put ABS on it and some of the new features that we have today on our vehicle so that when you drive it, it drives like a new car. Because I don't know about you, if you've ever driven, my dad used to have a 1971 Dodge Challenger. And that, that rack and pinion steering is not what it was today. <laughs> you know, you have power steering today. This is that old rack and pinion that, that you start drifting this way. So what do you do? You nudge the wheel and you start drifting until you drift the other way. And then you start nudging it back. So you actually never get it square on those old vehicles. My dad used to laugh at me and say, son, why do you want to old and own an old vehicle anyway? He said, don't you realize they drive old? Oh, well, no, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> they just look cool, you know. And, but, but what God does is he redesigns makes all things new. Have you found Galatians yet? Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 1. I don't have my watch, so you have to watch me on time here, Spencer. Make sure you tell me. Okay. Galatians 4, verse 1. Let's read it. It says, Now I say to you that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, when God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Oh, glory to God. 
Okay, now I want to read the same verse to you out of the contemporary English version because I feel like it brings the vernacular more today <laughs> and it's a little easier to understand maybe for some. So in the contemporary English version, it says, children who are underage are no better off than slaves, even though everything their parents own will someday, someday be theirs. This is because children are placed in the care of guardians and teachers until the parents have set the time. That is how it is with us that we were like children ruled by the powers of the world, but when the time was right, Jesus sent, or God sent his son, excuse me, Jesus, and a, uh, and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law so that he could set us free from the law and we could become God's children. Glory to God. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. We're free from the curse. We're free from the law. You, don't, you can't be good enough, but you don't have to try to be good enough. Jesus paid for you. He paid for you so that you could be adopted. Thank you, Jesus. Now turn over to Romans 8, and I'm going to finish with Romans 8. Some people might say, well, I need counseling. You don't need counseling. What you need is you need to know the truth, the truth that's in God's Word. Because the Bible says that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's the truth that you know that makes you free. I think we as Christians, we've heard too much truth, but we haven't really, hasn't sunken in. You know what I mean? Come on, don't let it only be the husbands in here that get that, you know? You listen to your wife, or you hear your wife, but you don't really listen, <laughs> you know, that's, that's sometimes. All right, you there in Romans 8? Romans 8. And uh, let's read this one, man. This really, this really reached out to me because this is where God wants to go with this church. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says, Everything that has been made in the world is waiting for the day when God will make his sons known. His sons and daughters. Let's put and daughters in there. But one translation says that the universe stands on its tippy toes to see the sons of God revealed, the sons and daughters of God revealed. So here's the cool thing about that is why, why do we need sons and daughters to be revealed? This, this version says that God will make his sons known, his daughters known. Do you remember the seven sons of Sceva? You remember them? You remember they were going around and they were casting out demons and they were saying, we cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches? Well, they did that on the wrong demon because the demon said, dude, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? And then the Bible says the demon jumped on them <laughs> and stripped them of their clothes so that they ran out of their injured or naked for their lives. They're trying to get away from this thing. What was the problem? The seven sons of Sceva were not sons of the living God. Paul 
was. And I'm trying to encourage you because Jesus died so that you could get your identity back. See, his body, it says his body was beat. His visage was so marred and nobody, you couldn't even recognize him. So he lost his appearance so that you and I, as sons and daughters, could get our identity back and live in it the way God called us to live. And that we would understand who we really are, that we're the Ira, the Ira Yates of the Bible, that God has given us a glorious inheritance, that our pedigree is royal. Too many people are saying, I identify as this. When Jesus died for them so that they would take on his identity. That's what salvation is. Is that I take my image off of me and I take his image and I put it on. And then, and then, and then people look at me and they go, that guy's, that dude's been with Jesus. You remember Paul? Remember that's what they said about him, or, or Peter. That's what they said about him, right? He said, man, this guy is not highly educated. He didn't go to seminary, but that dude has been with Jesus. Man, Bill Johnson said something that just, I love this statement. Of course, I love most of the things he says. It's a little annoying, but I'm glad that, that, that I'm like, wow, God, he makes me want to put my Bible down and just go work construction or something, do something else, you know. But, uh, but he made this statement. He said, he said, but I know I can't. I got to be obedient. But he said, um, talking about being known, he said, I, I only want to be famous in two places, in heaven and in hell. Whew, that's a powerful statement, man. And, I, and, and when I think about the seven sons of Sceva, interesting thing, when that demon said, hey, listen, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? The demons know who the sons of God are. And they are, let me tell you, all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed so that we will step into who God has called us to be, who he has designed us to be, so that we can begin to lay hands on the sick in the taco place and they get healed. Or we speak to demons and they flee. Or we speak to storms and tornadoes. Let me tell you, I was in, uh, we were in Austin, Texas. And if you've ever lived in Texas for very long, you get a lot of, uh, of hail. It hails there, man, big time, especially in Austin, you know. And uh, so anyway, there was this there was this one night, and we had we had a we didn't we didn't have the dogs that we have now. We had a a bigger dog, an Airedale, Airedale Terrier, and so he's about this tall, and he's a big guy. And it was the middle of the night, and he got up on the side of the bed, and he's like trying to wake us up. And and we were I was coming to just in time to hear him trying to crawl under our bed. He's wedging himself under our bed. And this is a big guy. And I thought, what in the world is Reese doing? And then you know what happened? Hail started smacking our windows. Our whole in our, in our bedroom in that house, we had a bay window, so it was all windows. And all you could hear was this hail. It just sounded, it was it was horrifying. 
in the natural. So I ran downstairs, ran to the kitchen, flipped on the outside light so I could see what in the world is ha happening in these golf ball size hail smacking our house. And the whole back of our house is nothing but windows practically. And I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Come on, son of God. <laughs> what do you want me to do? And he said, speak to the storm. And, it, and he reminded me of when Jesus spoke to the storm. And I pointed my finger out that window and I said, in Jesus' name, peace be still. And it was amazing. It was like somebody turned a water faucet off and it went. <laughs> Done. And I said, oh, thank you, God. It's so important when God does something great for you. It's so important to stop and lift your hands and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you. But we're sons and daughters of God. And so what I want to encourage you this morning in is it's time to put our identity back on. It's time to put off fear, to put off the things of the world, to put off the things that that belong to flesh because some people some people say well you know Phil can't you pray for me and cast out flesh no I'm sorry I can't you have to crucify it flesh has to die and unfortunately that's painful it just is but running a marathon getting ready to run a marathon is painful right and so I'm here to encourage you this morning. Hey, it's time to crucify the flesh. It's time to deny self. It's time to put off those things that the devil tries to put on us. He tries to get you to wear. And it's time to take that stuff off. And it's time to put on Jesus Christ and his image. And it's time to walk in that image. And to not be fearful over virus or fearful over the things that might come your way. But realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Would you stand up with me this morning? Glory to God. <clears throat> there was a, uh, you guys are familiar with the verse that I am more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. That's, that's what we are, right? Jesus created you to be more than a conqueror. He, he created you to be an overcomer. That means there's something to overcome. Well, what does that mean, more than a conqueror? Well, I heard, I heard somebody say it this way, and it really impressed me. Did, uh, you remember the boxer, Hollyfield? Am I saying, I'm saying his name right? Alexander Hollyfield. And when... His wife is more than a conqueror. Because Evander Holyfield, he gets in the ring. He does the work and gets the paycheck. And then he brings it home and says, Honey, look at what I did. This is for you. More than a conqueror. Why? Because Jesus has already done all the work. He already fought for you. He died for you. He was crucified. He rose again for you. Everything he did was for you. 
And what, I'm, what I want to encourage you to do is begin to get in the Word of God and find out what your inheritance is. Begin to read it and find out what is available to me because there, there's a whole lot more available to you than just eternal life. That is like ground zero of salvation. Why? Because God wanted to give you all this. Why wouldn't you want all the oil on your property? Why wouldn't you want to cash in on your inheritance? Glory to God. Would you bow your heads all around the, all around the auditorium? Father, thank you. God, we just thank you that you died for us so that we could have an abundant life, life better than we ever imagined it. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We, are, we want to repent right now. If this is you, do it with me. We want to repent right now for allowing the enemy to try and steal our identity. We thank you, Lord, that we are children of the Most High God. Lord, that you have put on the inside of us your DNA. And we take that DNA and we live in it and we walk in it and we breathe it. And we recognize that that's who we are. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That we have the right to cast out demons, to speak with other tongues, to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. God, that you have placed the ability and your spirit on the inside of us to, to love on people, to meet their needs and to be generous, to pray. Father, we thank you for that. And so we ask for your forgiveness, Lord, that we've, we've allowed the enemy to come in and try and sell us a bill of goods when you have designed us to be your children. We receive that adoption. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you, Father, for it. Just right where you're at, begin to thank him. Begin to thank him right where you're at. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.